This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. To receive a free copy of Bob Buford's classic book, Halftime, moving from success to significance, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. All right, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, uh, we have a really great subject that uh, I'm excited to share with everybody, and we have Russ Perry on. Russ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Excited to be here this morning. Now, Russ, you've had just an incredible journey, and most recently, you're the founder and CEO of a design company called Design Pickle, which we're going to be talking about. Um, but you're coming out with a book and it's called The Sober Entrepreneur. And you know, there's something that we don't talk about a lot, uh, I don't believe, in, you know, especially in the world of faith and the Christian community is, you know what, there's there's things that pull us in, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, when we're not sober or that's even, you know, there's a, there's so many stories of, a, you know, different kinds of addictions, right? It could be mm-hmm. alcohol, pornography, opioids. It could be, I mean, there's so much stuff that's out there. And a lot of us, uh, I shouldn't say a lot of us, you know, there are people out there that we know that are struggling with this. Uh, it pulls them in. It affects their marriage. It affects their relationship with their kids. It affects their you know, their relationship with God. And there's just, uh, you know, I, this is just such a, a, a topic um, that I think is just important for for those of us that maybe have gone through stuff like this to just talk about. And Absolutely. So, you know, um, it's so cool what you're doing now uh, because, uh, man, with this, you know, this crazy, uh, you know, you know, pat journey you've been on and then, uh, what, just under two years ago, Getting everything all together, all in alignment, putting together a startup and taking that from zero to over a million dollars a year in revenue in less than two years. And so, I mean, the outcomes can be phenomenal when we really kind of get cleaned up, get focused, get connected. Uh, but what I'd love to do is, you know, just turn it over and just let people uh, just kind of share your story from kind of early on through what you're doing now. And then we can dive into, you know, some of what led you to writing this book and what you share in it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I mean, there's a lot to cover. Um, we got to update my bio though. We'll do 5 million this year. So in our third year, so we're, we're, we're scaling and, and I know a lot of it, if, if not all of it has to do with what we kind of kicked off the conversation around my, my decisions to, to get sober and you hit the nail on the head in terms of what people struggle with. And there's a lot of really obvious things that come to mind when you talk about sobriety and addiction, whether it's uh, drugs, substances, pornography. But one thing that I really never found, and one is the one of one is the reasons why I wrote this book, one of the reasons is that people can, especially men, can become addicted to their business and mm. addicted to entrepreneurship. And so that title is 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 almost a double meaning in and that and that I talk about my journey of sobriety, but I I really unpack the the challenges we have, uh, whether you're a male or a female, although that my experience and, and what I share is from a male perspective, that we have as married men running businesses and how that not only can fuel addiction, but end up leaving us in this really dark place of isolation where we're not destitute on the street under a bridge, you know, drinking ourselves to death, which is what the what the typical person would think of when you think of an addict. But we're these high functioning, performing people. But there's some challenges, really real challenges underneath the surface, either that we're suppressing or hiding and we don't have anywhere to go or at least we feel like. And so I, I well, you know what, Russ, I, you know. I think also that, you know, you talk about that destitute. I'm thinking back from my early entrepreneur career. I did three technology startups in a row, and I was working 80 to 90 hours a week, and I really kind of never thought of it in this context. Yeah. I I was totally addicted to the job and the work, and I was traveling, and where the destitution came from was in my relationships and my joy and my happiness. I got to tell you, I can't even... It took it. It almost destroyed my marriage. Thank God that it didn't. But mm-hmm. you know, looking back on it, um, and, and I think it, this is 
so cool to kind of where you're going is, you know, what is behind that? Yeah. You know, what are some of the, th you know, what is it about being when people say, hey, I'm a workaholic? You know what? That that is not a badge of honor, by the way. And mm -hmm. there there is something behind that, isn't there? It is. And I think what happens, there's kind of two forces at play both when we talk about the business and we talk about alcohol or other substances. And uh, well, I think for this context of today, let's just say alcohol, but you could substitute whatever it is for you if, if your listeners are listening to this and they, they're struggling with something else. But the first thing that I learned was, was this mindset that hard work now means the life or the lifestyle I want later. And it, and it just, and I think a lot of it becomes from our parents' generation, the World War II generations, the Great Depression generations, where they just had this instilled into them where, look, you don't complain, you work hard, you do what you need to do for your family, and that's it. And, you, and so I, I sort of adopted that as well, especially for my dad. He's a blue collar um, worked for Pepsi delivery routes, stock in stores every morning at three in the morning. And he, so for me, it was, I just, I, I'm going to choose entrepreneurship because that's who I want to be, but I'm, I, I can't enjoy it. I have to work 90 hour weeks. I have to be gone from my family all the time because, well, that's the only path to the end of the rainbow that I'm working for. And it's false. And that's a huge topic that I unpack. Now, I don't, I don't think success comes without hard work. But what I learned is I must put my family first and my faith first before the business, before the decisions I'm making professionally, because otherwise there will be no room left for those two things. And just like you, I was, I almost got divorced through this entire process. And, and uh, my first two businesses literally almost destroyed me, probably could have killed me with the decisions I was making. And it was all because I had this mindset, work, 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 work for that payout down the road. It's okay to be gone from my family all the time because I'm doing it for them. And this is just the biggest lie. And, and I believe it's, it's Satan trying to put a wedge in between our families and our faith. And, and, and it wasn't until I hit rock bottom in which I got caught in an affair that had stemmed from this work, this toxic work environment. And I was completely destroyed. I was empty spiritually. I hadn't been to church for God knows how long. And it was a decision to say, I, I either can repeat the mistakes of my father and the, the lineage that I've had with broken families and alcohol and addiction and all this stuff, or I could change. And that was in 2012. And I, and I made a strong decision then to change. And then sobriety came after as well as the, the current business today of Design Pickle. Well, you know, you're pointing out something important too. Uh, you know what? That pain of staying the same has to mm. exceed that pain of change. And I think everybody on this journey gets to that point at, you know, where there's this awareness that I'm heading down a road that um, is going to have some pretty terrible consequences because you know what that changed to change you know how I think how I see myself how my how I react in the situation you know what actions that I take uh, you know to go through that process takes some pretty significant you know intentionality a lot of times it takes sharing you know what's going on in your life with others you know especially as men it's really uncomfortable for us to go and say hey Russ you know, I just had an affair and I'm struggling with drinking and man, I need somebody to, you know, that I can talk to. It's that we are very reluctant to have those conversations. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, you're right. And it compounds itself. And what I've learned now in my sobriety and, and I, and I did a lot with the celebrate recovery program, which we can talk about later. It's a fantastic program. Um, the business and the alcohol was suffocating anything inside of me to foster that honesty and that truth and that deeper connection so I could even have the courage to tell somebody. I mean, I, I couldn't even think about even talking about it because the, the things that enable us to actually be vulnerable and reach out for help were smothered by my business and my addiction. And so I had to, I had to tackle those problems first in order to create the space and the, I always viewed, I, when I quit drinking, it literally was like this huge gap 
this huge empty vacuum opened up inside me and where that was the decisions and the energy and the thoughts of drinking, I can now fill with whatever I wanted. And guess what was missing? A relationship with God. <laughs> and so that's what I poured into. And, uh, and, you know, and I think like this is, I wasn't by all measurement, I was successful. I had a beautiful wife and kids. I, I wasn't actively going to church at that time, but you know, we did the, the church on the holidays and I, you know, we was just this like normal American suburbia life. And, um, and so that's, that's again, coming back to the reason for this book. Look, I'm not an author. I'm not trying to sell books to make a living doing this. I literally want to help change lives. And the reason I wrote this is to say, look, you don't have to be the guy cracked out on heroin to be struggling with an addiction of some sort. It's, 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 it's when this idea or substance or business or whatever it is, is in, is consuming you or more of a priority than your family and your spirituality. So if, if I take you back, Russ, to that kind of that low point, because you know what happens is when, you know, when our, you know, in our brain, when we, when we, when we're under all this stress and we're pouring in some of these things especially from chemicals, right? A lot of the healthy mm -hmm. um, chemicals in our brain, the serotonin, the dopamine, those are gone, right? And we're constantly, you know, the stress is attacking us. And that leads us down into, you know, anxiety and depression. And a lot of times when people are, you know, really kind of in that low point too, when there's other people in their life that try to speak into them, right? It's kind of... Um, you know, the, we'll start speaking and have truths. We'll start trying mm -hmm. to tear down the credibility of these other people that are trying to call us out. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm guessing there was probably a moment where you said, maybe, you know, maybe speak to somebody that's, you know, where you were at that low point and what, what did you do to just start taking those small steps forward? So here's what's insane, John, is in the pit of despair, the lowest I have ever been in my life where I don't even recognize who I was. At that moment, I admitted my mistakes, came clean with Mika, my wife. We, we started to, to work on repairing our relationships through professional counseling. But here, you're going to think this is insane. I still did not admit that drinking had anything to do with what had happened. And it wasn't until almost a year later that I made the decision to get sober. So it was like, from, from like it's insane to think about right now, but I was still in denial, even though I had been just, my world had been crumbling around me, I still said, you know what, this, this addiction, this substance, this business, um, I still got that under control. You know what it really was? It was just me and my wife's marriage. We just needed to fix that. That was the problem. So we needed to focus on that. So that, though, was um, my twisted mind. What enabled me to get past that was professional counseling and, co and professional coaching, which are two very different things. I think a lot of people are afraid to go to counseling because they it's like, oh, well, you're wrong, you're broken. There's something wrong with you. But here's what I could tell anybody in any situation, whether life is OK or life is terrible, external support, whether as a counselor, a psychologist, a coach is additional outside unbiased perspective. And when you can get that into your life on a regular basis, what happens is your your own perspectives start to become more clear and you can actually see the truth of what's going on. Whereas before, it's like the kid who you're like, hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And they don't listen to you, your child. And then like your neighbor comes over and says, hey, Johnny, you need to do this. And Johnny's like, OK, I'll do it. And you're like, I've been, I've been telling you that this whole time. Like, that's what it was for me. And swallowing my pride and just saying, look, is is it worth asking for help to save my marriage and save my family? Absolutely. And not being too prideful to go out there and get that third party perspective, which to this day, I mean, we're talking about an event I'm going to later this afternoon. I still invest in coaching and outside perspective 
to help accelerate my own of evolution to see what's what's out there and to, to learn more and to evolve it. Well, you know, that reminds me of a really interesting story that happened to us last year. Um, there was uh, a woman came in from uh, Colorado Christian University to speak to all the parents at uh, my son's high school. Um, and the whole topic was on mental illness and, you know, this whole rise of depression and suicide with high schoolers. <laughs> and in the whole audience, she had everybody. She says, anybody here that's been hospitalized overnight, raise your hand. So nobody has a problem with that. About 40% of the hands go up, 30, 40%. And then she said, who in here has ever broken any bone in your body? And about 30 to 40% of the hands go up. And she said, who here has ever been diagnosed with a mental illness? Actually diagnosed. And myself, I've struggled with some depression in my life. And me and mm -hmm. I think three other people raised our hands. And she said, here's the problem. And this is very, it's amplified in the Christian communities because we think that we shouldn't have these problems because we can just pray about them. She goes, I know for a fact, based on all of our research in the Christian community sitting right here in this room, about 30% of you have been diagnosed with a mental illness, but we're afraid to talk about it, we're afraid to admit it, and we're afraid to reach out for help. Yeah, it's and, insane. And so just having a conversation about this and people listening, if this is, you know, if you're, we're touching on anything that is part of your life, encouraging you to reach out and talk to somebody who's a professional that can help you, like help with Russ. And I've seen uh, from Christian counselors to psychologists at different times in my life. And I got to tell you, it's been transformative in helping me to get into alignment get things cleaned up and move forward. I, I, I would not have been able to do it without somebody else's external perspective. It's and here in, in what's rad about it is it's like a really amazing mental massage. Like when you come out of one of those sessions, you ever go to like a really good massage or like a hotel or something like a deep tissue massage and you come out, you're like, that was kind of painful, but man, I feel really good. Like I feel really refreshed counseling or coaching a good counselor, or a good coach is it's going to be the same sort of ah experience. It's not going to be easy. You're going to go through ups and downs. I mean, I cried probably through the first three sessions that I had with my wife and it was terrible, but you come out of there feeling a little lighter every time. And finally, there's points where you say, you know what, I now can see this path before me. And, and, and there are a lot of different, you know, reasons why you keep going or don't going. But that was the biggest thing for me is coming out of this, that it wasn't persecution. It wasn't judgment. It wasn't, wasn't this, like, I have to confess to this guy and my wife and it's going to be this terrible thing. It was a neutral, helpful, healthy place. And Frankly, I could never have that experience with my friends because half my friends are dudes who don't like talking about the motions anyway. And <laughs> you tell them about something hard and they're like, oh, that sucks. Like, well, yeah, it totally does. Um, so it's this it's this release. And I mean, John, you, I mean, since you I'm glad you shared that. I mean, there's so much stigma here. And I had, a, I had a business partner in Argentina, and when we first started working, he would say, oh, yeah, he would casually mention every week, every week he's going to see his shrink. And I'd be, and finally I had to bring it up. I was like, his name's Federico. I was like, Federico, is there something I should know about? Like, you're, you're seeing a shrink every week. What's going on? But in other cultures, especially more European cultures, which Buenos Aires in Argentina is very European, seeing a shrink is like going to a chiropractor or it's like going to getting uh, regular blood work done. It's just maintenance on the most important part of your entire body and that's your mind. And that's what you gotta remember is like all of this is just about managing and building and strengthening our mind where everything, all of what we create comes from. So, you know, I know, you know, for me, I had to kind of get to that point where um, I had to reach out and I think for me, you know, you know, you talked about like this deep tissue massage. And I think for me also part of it was, you know, the other person I was talking to, Russ, was helping putting some of the things I was going through in context. Like, I, yeah. you know what, I'm actually not broken. I'm not, 
damaged. I'm not some horrible person uh, that can't just, you know, uh, be, you know, I've always been, you know, very positive, upbeat person. And now I'm struggling with this stuff. And for me, it each session gave me that little bit of hope that, you know what, there is a path forward to a such a better life. You know, that life that I've always wanted. Sometimes you, you just lay there in bed and your head hits the pillow and you're kind of daydreaming about what could be and you have no idea how to get there. And then it just becomes frustrating. And then and then your mind starts spinning off. And uh, I got to tell you, man, that was that was huge. I'm really glad you brought that up. And, and that's what support's all about. Uh, it, the first time I went to Celebrate Recovery Meeting, which is the Christian AA, if you've never heard of it, started out in Saddleback Church, really great program, highly recommend it. Honestly, the, the best thing I got out of it was, oh, wow, there's other people like me who struggle with this. Like that was like that I'm not alone. And in my book, I talk about this from an entrepreneur's perspective because the very concept of becoming an entrepreneur is a bit insane. It's just you have to have a few screws loose to want to start your own business, to leave any security behind from the job you had, or for some of you to never even get a job to just start cold. And so that level of risk taking is a bit higher. Well, what happens when there's stress, there's demands, things aren't going well, you're two years in and the plans aren't working and your wife is saying, why are you doing this? Why don't you just go get a job? Which I had that conversation for five to eight years with my wife. So what happens is we, we decide to alleviate these pressures through substances because, well, alcohol is legal. We can go get a drink. It's, you know, not a big deal. And it, and it fuels this, this pattern then that can become destructive. But in the book, I say, look, there's millions of people out there who run businesses, who are stressed, who have a wife who's like, when is payday coming? <laughs> we need like we, we're spending our savings for your, this vision and dream. What's going on? And just to be able to talk about that and acknowledge that and to say, yeah, it's tough. It's stressful. That to me is why I wanted to start the conversation, especially in entrepreneurial circles, because we don't want to admit when things are hard. I, John, I'm sure you've had this before. You come to some guys, you're at a barbecue, you're like, hey, how are things going? Everyone's like, oh, it's great. Life's good. Oh, yeah, it's good. Everything's good, which is a lie. <laughs> like, it's, that's, it's, it's not always good, and that's okay, and no one's going to judge you. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's the person that my wife just told me, hey, this guy's wife told me that they're really struggling. So, you know, make sure when they come over to have try to have a conversation, see what you can do to kind of sew into his life. And you're right, that for hey man, how you doing, Ross? Oh, dude, man, outstanding. Business is going great. Life is good. How you doing? I mean, that, like, okay, really? Well, you know yeah. what? I, you know, I think uh, uh, you know we kind of have a theme around here, and it's called intense vulnerability and that that just i you know kind of is a hallmark of who we are and the conversations that we have but it was definitely a process i think to get comfortable to move toward that place i also think it has huge positive implications for us in a role as a leader or as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and you know but as you look back and as you were making these steps what, what are some of the areas that you were probably most challenged in some of the areas of change for you russ so quitting drinking, honestly, and this is not the case for everybody, but quitting drinking was relatively easy once I had a deep enough reason why. I had read an autobiography my grandmother made. She passed away about five years ago. But when I was in high school, she wrote a, a, a very beautiful, complete genealogy of my family and her side. And every male in that book that were older did not have the most glamorous representation by my grandmother's writing. They were addicts, gamblers. I mean, this we're talking all the way back to the Wild West days before Arizona was even a state. And I thought to myself, I don't want these same things written about me when my children are documenting or writing. I want a different story. So I had this deep conviction. And, and so quitting drinking once I got there, which took a while, was Literally, and to this day, not even a like, not even a threat, not even a, 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 a risk. I mean, I've been to Las Vegas, this the the mecca of drinking, and it's I've had a great time sober. It's it's a different experience. What was the biggest challenge, honestly, John, was 
quitting my original business, was mm-hmm. shutting down that business because that was my identity for eight and a half years. I was Russ, the agency owner. I was Russ, the entrepreneur. I would go to the party. How are you doing? Oh, Russ, how's your business? How are clients? Tell us about what you're working on. And to, to shed that because that was a destructive business for me and who I was and just I wasn't where I wanted to go with my life. I, I, I vividly remember the last day of August in 2014 we were closing August 30th and I'd sold all the clients and assets to my partner. And I was here in Arizona, not far from where I'm actually recording right now, throwing away paid like almost a decade of sample designs and proofs and research and client work and all the stuff and into the dumpster and tears are pouring down my eyes and I have no idea where I'm going next. I don't have another job lined up. I'm, I'm broke. Like there's no payday coming next Friday for me because the business is closed. And that was the scariest part. But I knew to grow, I had to let go. I had to, I had to let go of that business and do, go on a different path. And I only was able to do that, though, because of my sobriety, honestly, and the conviction I had that I knew God would deliver. And, and man, he really has. So I'm thinking, you know, the, the decision to kind of, you know, sell that, that, uh, the company, you know, not even sell close, close. Close. I mean, sell is a relative term. I basically sold out all the debt. So I was, I gave away all the assets and had no debt out of the deal. I, I didn't even get a dollar. I gave the computers, everything gone. So what was next? What, what were you thinking during that time? Oh, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I had no plan. I was here. I was like, uh, I believe I was 30 or 29 and I was like married, two kids living with a, a, a rent and all this stuff. And I had to make a decision like, am I going to sink or am I going to swim? So I put the put the feelers out there, emailed every professional contact uh, that I knew just saying, hey, do you need a marketing consultant? Do you need help with design, creativity? And I lined up um, a, a good amount of consulting gigs, kind of a, a patchwork of consulting gigs, both virtual and in office, with some really amazing companies that gave me a real, a, basically saved my my family. I mean, I, I would have not been able to pay rent had I not got these consulting engagements. So that was the huge, that was a huge relief because it uh, gave me then a financial cushion to then sort of quote unquote, figure out what I was going to do next. And that's when I started investing in coaching. So I never hired, I'd hired a counselor prior to this. I never hired a coach, which for any listener who's confused about the difference, my, I always say a counselor is focused a lot on the past where a coach is focused on where you're at now and the future of where you want to go. And so that was huge in terms of shifting my perspective and also really distancing myself from the, 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 the darkness that was in my past. I could move beyond that and focus on this new story I was telling. Well, I love that. As, as you know, I'm a huge fan of coaching as a, as a leadership <laughs> coach, and, and it's awesome working with my clients and exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and I'd love for you to share a little bit, too, because, you know, you, you moved into starting Design Pickle and mm-hmm. and you've now grown this to five million in revenue in what, the last three years, Russ? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, approaching our third year birthday in January. You know, and you started out our interview talking about, you know what, the 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 what you wanted to do, your goal was to put your family and your faith first. And so how have you balanced kind of your role as a husband, a father? and an entrepreneur as you've clearly, you know, been the, you know, been leading the growth of a very successful company. It came from coaching. My first coach I hired was a guy named Taylor Pearson, really cool guy, really intellectual guy. He writes blogs. I have to read like two or three times because they're so dense. They're like 5,000 word essays, but he walked me through a process, which I still use to this day, which you have to remember when I was in the agency, every demand 
on my time and my energy was for my clients, not even for my family. I didn't have time for my family or so I told myself. It was always for the clients, the clients, the clients, clients, because that's what was paying for for me and my salary and my team salary. So when I went to coach or sorry, when I started consulting, first I was like, this is awesome. I get paid way more. I have no, no payroll to pay, <laughs> no, no office. I could work from home or go to their office and people listen to me. Like I'm an expert when I walk in there, this is amazing. I really like this, but it wasn't ultimately for me going to be a long-term thing. I knew it. So what I did is, and Taylor taught me this, is I made a list. What did I want my life to be like in the next, over the next three years, professionally and personally? And I'll tell you, John, I was extremely selfish at this point. I didn't know where I was going professionally, but I just said, you know what? I want to be able to travel with my family. I want to be able to go on a mission, mission trip in my church. I want, to, I want to be able to work from anywhere in the world if I have an internet connection. And I just made this list. I said I wanted another kid, which is selfish in other ways. <laughs> but like, like I just wanted, I wanted another daughter, a child, which we ended up having an, another daughter after this process. And I, and I just put down this list. It was maybe about 10 items. And then I asked myself, okay, well, what, what is the, what's the job for me? Like, what do I need to do to be able to achieve these things? And I knew from like, just research. I said, okay, well, if I want to work from anywhere in the world, I need an online type business. I need to be able to have something where I'm not showing, I don't have to show up every day to unlock the doors and welcome customers to my storefront or whatever it might be. But beyond those like really generalities, I didn't, I didn't know what it is, what I was going to do. So I did what was the hardest thing. Actually, the second hardest thing from closing the business was this was the next hardest thing was I did nothing. I just waited and I just consulted and I had millions of business ideas during this time. I mean, crazy things from children's products to online computer agencies of programming to video companies, like anything and everything. But what happened is I would keep coming back to these two lists and it was never a perfect fit. Like there was always something that would either require me to be here or visit clients too much or whatever those outcomes that I wanted from that first list, it just didn't fit. It was like the red or the round, you know, peg in the square hole kind of deal. Then what happened, and this was the magic moment, if you will, December, 2014, I have enough consulting clients that's going on right now. I've actually hired a remote project manager and a freelance designer. But I say, you know what? I'm going to do this differently. I don't want to manage this directly. So John, you're my client. I'm going to give you an email address. And whenever you need these small design jobs, just email in to my project manager and he'll take care of it. And I kind of review things. So this little system that was just kind of built internally, no brand, no bit, no intent to make it a business started working. And I read a book, really great book called seven day startup by Dan Norris, which mm -hmm. he basically had the same business model of, you know, automated, very systematized services for WordPress updates. So if you need to update your WordPress site, and I just said, oh my goodness, I have a business here. I could, I could basically sell this and scale this. So where 81, they don't have to be a Russ Perry consulting client. They can just sort of sign up and get help when they need design and do it in a very streamlined, easy way. And so it was this path from coaching all the way to answering those questions to creating that space and then just letting the pieces fall into play. And it, and, and, I, and I, I wish there was a better strategic blueprint I could tell you I went through, but that was it. It was just allowing it to happen. And then we launched in January 2015 with the brand and it's been, we've been growing. Well, well, it sounds like you, I mean, there's a lot of energy in what you're saying. Just, uh, I could just tell that you're talking <laughs> about an area of your life that's just passionate. And, you know, and, you know, as you, you know, grew this and scaled this, um, you know, talk a little bit about how you kept your family, how you kept, you know, on the, you know, this path of sobriety, how you kept growing in your faith uh, without, because, you know, part of my challenge is, 
that I've done before is, you know, I kept falling into that trap. I'm like, hey, I'm going to make things differently when I start this company. I'm going to make my family my focus. Totally. Yeah. And you know what? All of a sudden, because in the past when I would, you know, be stressed or want to grow or, you know, hit certain numbers or, you know, things were going on, you you lose that client. I would fall into my old habits um, that have always worked for me in the past from a business sense, not n- nowhere mm. else in my life. And that was kind of like my, my, you know, the, the box, right? That was that, that box that was comfortable, even though inside the box, it was kind of gross and smelly. But <laughs> as soon as the, when I got stressed, man, I would, I would tend to just crawl right back into that box. My goal was, as I had the awareness of this, to actually move so far away from that box that it was just as uncomfortable to crawl back toward it um, as do anything else. The, so I, I love it. And I think, thank you for kind of f- focusing back on family. Cause I went a bit on a tangent there. What I had to do was, was sort of genius in hindsight, but I don't take, I don't want to credit myself for having any genius about this in the front end. I, when I looked at my business and the business that I wanted, I actually looked at it from a very practical standpoint of what is the best kind of business that, I could sell. And so for me, that was a business that I wasn't involved in very much like that ran itself. It was, and had, and had certain mechanisms within the business, like recurring revenue, subscription based models, SaaS, like online funnels that generate traffic and clients. So I, I decided from the get go again, before design pickle was even an idea, that's the kind of business I wanted. What I didn't realize that the genius in that decision of, look, I'm going to pursue this kind of business is that it's super, super conducive to families, to spending a lot of time with your family and having freedom and flexibility with your family. Because I don't, because all of those things, like I don't have to chase down invoices. I don't have to sell people on like through a, a sales process with a contract proposal and I don't service clients. I have an entire, you know, 85 full-time team members that run operations that do everything. Um, everything's online. I was in Belize for six weeks, weeks this summer with my family, just working from Belize with a ocean in her backyard, spending mornings hanging out on the beach and working in the afternoon. So how awesome me, was that? <laughs> actually, it was amazing once once I sort of like got used to the kids being around all the time, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say as a father, because you're like, oh, I want the kids around all the time. But when it was like, no, they were around all the time. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I have a one, a one, a five and a 12 year old. So they're very different needs as children. Um, but coming back to and getting specific, you need to you need to create the right business to support families from beginning. You will never be able to reverse engineer that out, especially as your business matures, because it's like changing the DNA of somebody, changing the genetic makeup of somebody. It's just that's how the business is. And you see companies spend millions and millions. And I'm sure, John, you've been hired to come into organizations to change them way, way late in the game. And it's very difficult and very, and takes a lot of time and a lot of money. So I, I just said from the beginning, this is what I want. And we've, we keep, we always measure that. And now my team can experience that too. We have unlimited time off policy. We have a work from anywhere environment. Um, you you have to work every day, but you don't have to be in the office. You could be on a trip or wherever, um, so it's not only us, but it's not only me, but that's, that's now the culture of the company. Cause I want, I don't want someone's family life getting ruined because they're working for me. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, just to, you know, share, you know, as a coach in building a company, um, I, st- I have a coach and I work with my coach and, you know, we were just talking about, um, you know, especially when you're going through like a pivot point or a transition just with, some of the success that we've had in the last really 12 or 18 months for us of things have really grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm saying, okay, what, what, you know, what is the, you know, what are we really creating and what does it look like next? You know, where, you know, cause the vision kind of um, evolves, I think, as you start even thinking bigger over time mm-hmm. and what the process we went through uh, and he and I had gone through this right after my accident. I had an accident five, uh, five and a half years ago that put me in the hospital for two years. 
Wow. And it was actually coming out of this, and I'm trying to figure out what do I want to do with my life because, you know, running a company, a traditional company as a CEO, which I was, you know, um, you know, that had been kind of my path in the past. It was, I knew that's not what I want to do, but I had no idea. And like you're talking about as an entrepreneur, right? You said you had a million ideas floating around in your head. And I think we have all this pressure and noise. And I think if we go through and that this head journey, like you talked about and said, okay, what do I really want to be known for? What is that legacy I want to create? What is that you know, the relationships I want to have with my wife and kids. What's my lifestyle? What, you know, what are the options that I want to have? And when you start designing all of that, what I found for myself, it kind of lowers that pressure and noise and I can get it all down on paper like you talked about because that gives Mm -hmm. us this framework. But then that allowed me to really dial in on the heart journey because when I really kind of, you know, put everything down on this piece of paper and and did it, you know, with my wife and we finally got all these, we're looking at all these things. We're like, you know what, if that is what we create, oh my goodness, that would, my, we're just excited looking at what's on that paper. But now we were able to pray into it because Mm -hmm. before when I would just pray about, you know, everything and all these ideas and stuff in my head, man, there was just so much other noise. It was some. It was really hard for me to kind of tap into what Holy Spirit was trying to tell me, what I was reading from the Bible, and how to apply it. Because I just had too much going on for myself. You know, I just have that kind of you know personality. And now that I had the, some of this clarity of what I wanted to create, the clarity of kind of who I was, right? My core values, my passions, my my beliefs, my strengths, my talents, you know, and how does that fit into what's on the paper? Then the biggest question for me was, what do I do with that? And now I could, now I could really pray effectively. And that's what's happening, you know, right now, as we speak, my wife and I, as we're going through this process and it's just opened up some clarity into the direction where we need to go and grow our business, you know, what we're going to be doing next. And so I think what you shared is just huge value for people. If you're thinking about this, uh, you know what? I think to speed up, we have to slow down and take some time and do some of this inner work. Because without that, I, I really believe that that inner game determines that outer game. And most of us have never taken the time to slow down and focus on that inner game. And I completely agree. And what kind of to piggyback on what you're saying, something that I always think about is, I, I only can say yes so many times with before I just am overloaded and I have no time left from spread too thin. So without clarity, without going through that process that you talked about, it makes even easy decisions really challenging because you don't have a you don't have a baseline to 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 have a firm yes or a no. It's always kind of well a maybe or you just default to yes. And then you never really can get anywhere with any sort of depth. And having the lists, going through that exercises, it allows me to commit to what I know, or at least least from my understanding of what I know, is going to get me down that path and then say no to everything else, which no often in our culture is sort of like an uncomfortable thing. It's like we don't want to say no, but really no is more powerful than yes because when you say no to something, it's because you're saying yes to yourself and you're saying yes to clarity within yourself. And every time I say yes with like instinctually or just because I say yes, that I, I regret it because I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm on this committee now and I just said yes and I should have thought about it and now I'm not able to be home at this time or do this and and so it's a lot of it is just like it's like a it's like a hack you know a decision making hack get clear at least what you can just so that decisions are a little bit easier and you could just give that easy yes or no and not be too stressed out about it yeah you know something that changed the game for me was reading uh, Greg McEwen's book essentialism Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. talks exactly about that. I read this book, man, and man, it just uh, <laughs> hit me between the forehead. I actually reached out to him and we interviewed him. He was episode 93. And, but, you know, he talks in there about, you know, everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. And everything you say no to, you say Absolutely. yes to something else. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was actually, you know, I'd gone through this process myself and I was working with a, a client of mine. 
and he was serving on six nonprofit boards. He had a hard time saying no. He resonated with every single one of the missions of each one of these charities, but he was spread so thin it was affecting his own business, uh, his family, but he felt obligated. And when mm-hmm. we went through kind of this head and this heart journey, Russ, and he understood what, you know, what fits into what he's trying to create, what God has led him into creating, um, you know, when it was time to uh, uh, kind of renew with some of these boards, you know, he politely said no, but here's somebody else who would be great. But also imagine this, somebody calls you and says, hey, Russ, I want you to be part of this company or be on this board or this nonprofit or this project. And you kind of you look at what you're doing, and now you can say, hey, you know what? I would love to do that, but right now I'm so focused on this because you have that clarity. For yeah. at least the next nine months, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, have to, you know, thank you so much for the offer, but I couldn't, you know, uh, I could not, you know, do it, put in the time that it would need to really, uh, you know, help you. But when you can explain to somebody, and when I've done that to people, they get back to me and they go, wow, thank you so much for actually just saying no, because everybody else kind of <laughs> strings me along. Like, well, that's a good idea. Let's follow up in, a, you know, next month or in a week, or I'm kind of busy now. You know, please keep me on your list. You know, these people that are looking for good people to be part of, you know, what they're doing, because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're successful, there's going to be people that want your energy around. Yeah. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of requests that are coming in. And until you create that framework and that filter on not only what to say yes and no to, but knowing why you're saying yes and no to, oh, my gosh, it's just, man, talk about just uh, streamlining uh, what's going on in my head and my life and my my business? But I always like to use the analogy like I haven't been to a nightclub in a really long time. Let's just say, a when you get old that doesn't matter, and then b if you're not drinking, it's pretty a pretty boring place to be. <laughs> but <laughs> but I it's like the coolest nightclub. If your life is like the coolest nightclub in town, you need a bouncer to to keep the riffraff out. And I'm not talking about people, just like the decisions, the demands, the things that take away. But when that, when that bouncer is like super strict, it, it increases the value. Like that's, I always remember like the coolest club that you wanted to get into. You didn't know why, but it was always the one with the longest line. That was the hardest to get into. And then if you ever did get in, you were like, Oh, this is it. It's just a bar with whatever. But you know, you need that (laughs) bouncer. You need that that person protecting you. And I love the, you said it and I don't know if you realize, but I always use the term filter. It's this filter that comes through the decision filter that you can, you can run everything through and it's just quick checklist. Okay. Is this going to work? And I actually back to the committee, I had, I I am on a committee, but I had to run it this, that recently I ran through this filter. Um, but I was able to do it because it was a remote committee that only met once a month. So this was, I said, okay, do I need to be downtown Phoenix every week or every Tuesday, like, or whatever? No, I can do this. I have the time. It serves me. It's, it's for a great cause. It's actually supporting the Navy SEALs fund. It's a nonprofit supporting families of, of, of Navy SEALs. Um, so like this was really powerful for me, but I made that decision really quickly. And when I said yes, it was a firm yes and a committed yes and not a, oh, I'm just going to say yes because I feel too uncomfortable to say no. Yeah, that obligated yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, awesome. So people can you know, find out more about you at, um, what, what are your websites, uh, Russ? Yeah, so the best one, because I'm kind of doing a lot, is just my personal website. It's russperry.co slash, we set up a, a landing page for you guys. You go russperry.co slash eternal leadership. And you can learn more about me, the book, the businesses, um, funny stuff I've created. There's just a lot on there and that's going to be the best place and, 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 uh, get connected too. if you want to reach out or, or, um, I'm giving away a free chapter of my book so you can sign up for that if that's interested for you and you can download that. We'll, we'll have it uh, available on Amazon and in print. I'm thinking the first part of September. Awesome. And Hey, share with us a little bit here as we're wrapping up, uh, about design pickle. Ah, yes. So while Design Pickle, our our vision is to change lives through creativity. And so what we're doing is we provide a flat rate, unlimited graphic design service. It starts at 370 bucks a month and you get a dedicated designer to help you out with your graphic design needs for your 
church, business, home. I've had birthday invitations done with it, whatever, whatever it is. So uh, we focus more on the day-to-day graphic design. Uh, Most of our clients like already have their websites and logos done and all of that. And then we just step in and help out with whatever else you need. Awesome. Now, hey, as we wrap up, what, what just final thoughts do you have here for everybody who's been listening to this? You know, honestly, John, I have never really had this much of a conversation around the book. Um, granted, it's new, but I just I just thank you for and I appreciate you opening up this space. And my final thoughts are kind of what reflecting of what you said, John, is if, if anyone out there is struggling, even even thinking that, man, this is there's this obstacle in my life, whether it's a, a substance or a business or whatever, um, don't go at it alone because that is isolation is what will get us every single time. Reach out, reach out to me. Reach, I mean, I'm, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a professional. I can just share my story, but go out there and talk to somebody about it because we, when we stay in our own mind, it's the echo chamber of destruction <laughs> that mm-hmm. just will make it worse and worse and worse. So I'll just leave at that because I think you, I mean, you said that, but that was so powerful. And I just, thanks again for the this this hour together sharing sharing all this. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. In 1994, Bob Buford penned the book Halftime, moving from success to significance. And in the more than 20 years since then, more than three quarters of a million copies have been sold. It's touched baby boomers in the 90s, and it's now touching the lives of both Gen Xers who are in that midlife season asking, is this all there is, as well as baby boomers who are searching for significance in retirement. To get a free copy of the book, just go to returnalleadership.com slash halftime. And after you read it, if you have any questions, you can have a no obligation one hour of halftime coaching. Eternalleadership.com slash halftime. You can't beat getting a free bestseller. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.